Michigan embarrasses Wisconsin in a statement game. We look ahead to Penn State and wait, am I forgetting something? I'm Adam Amble and this is the M Factor. Welcome back, Michigan fans, to Episode 8. I know all of you are as happy as I am with the great, great victory this past weekend against the Badgers. We'll take a look ahead at Michigan State, who had a nice little win themselves, and we'll go over some fan mail and the question of the week. But first, if you have not done it yet, get over to iTunes or Google Play, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating. It really helps. I really appreciate it. Also, please continue to keep listening on SoundCloud. You can also subscribe there, leave me a rating, leave me some comments, leave me some thumbs up, some likes. That's also very much appreciated. So how about that game this weekend, folks? We'll go over the team stats and the individual stats and then the takeaway from the game. I'd really like to go over that pretty quick because we got a lot to go over for the Sparty game coming up. That's right, folks. Rivalry number one game is upon us. So let's jump right into the overall stats. It was dominating for Michigan as they win 38-13. to The game was really never in doubt except for maybe half of the first quarter. But even that first quarter, we drove the ball. We were able to stuff them. They couldn't get anything going offensively, so let's dive right into it. First downs, Michigan 21, Wisconsin 11. Third down efficiency, this really hurt Wisconsin. 2 of 11 for the Badgers and 7 of 16 for Michigan. Fourth down, they did go for it once. Kind of knew they were going to get that anyway because they were able to run the ball a little bit with Taylor there in the, the opening parts of the game. And then Michigan really made the adjustments in the second, third, and fourth quarters to really sh- kind of shut them down. But anyway, total yards, 444 from Michigan to 283 of Wisconsin. Passing, 100 yards for Wisconsin. Now that's kind of a BS number, considering they had 25 passing yards with about, what, five minutes to go in the game? Five minutes to go in the game, 25 passing yards. Great job by Michigan secondary. And let's not forget, probably the, I always said this, the the best pass defense is a great defensive line. They were getting pressure in there all day. They, and they Wisconsin didn't want to throw. Hornybrook looked like he was lost right at the start of the game. He just, he didn't want to throw. They didn't want to call any passing plays. I mean, he only threw the ball, what, 20 times, I think it was. Yeah, he threw the ball 20 times, seven of 20 for Hornybrook, seven completions. That is insane. Shea Patterson, another efficient night, 14 of 21 for him. So that pass efficiency continues to just stay nice and solid. That really helps. And that we, we mentioned it at the beginning of the year, right, is his accuracy. So great job, Shea, on that. But we'll get into a little more Shea here a little bit. Interceptions, zero for Michigan. And Hornybrook had two. Nice job by Hill there on returning the one. A nice little pick six there that really opened it up, basically. And then Metellus also had a pick. So good for him. Rushing. Here, guess which team? 320 to 183. Guess what team you would probably pick for having that 320 yards? Wisconsin or Michigan? Well, you would have guessed wrong, as I would have as well. 320 yards rushing for Michigan. Obviously, Shea Patterson had a great run. Dylan McCaffrey, how about that? Breaking that one for a nice tutty. And then Higdon, the workhorse. 19 carries, 105 yards, but I don't want to get too much into the individual stats. Let's keep rolling with the team stats. Yards per rush, 6.7 for Michigan, 6.3 for Wisconsin, but they didn't have the ball much. So penalties, 3 of 13. And here it is, folks. Here is the M factor, the overall team M factor for Michigan. One penalty, 15 yards. Awesome. Last week, six penalties. This week, one penalty. They keep that up. They're going to be a tough team to beat as they showed against Wisconsin. Turnovers, like I mentioned, two for Wisconsin, zero for Michigan. Awesome job there. 
and time of possession was 37.01 for the Wolverines, 22.59 for the Badgers. So Wisconsin pretty much, or pardon me, Michigan pretty much dominated every aspect of the game, except for maybe the passing yards, but we really didn't need to pass, so no big deal there. And with that win, Michigan improves to 6-1 and overall, 4-0 and in the Big Ten. Wisconsin drops to 4-2, and 2-1 and in the Big Ten Conference in that just weak, weak Big Ten West. And that's kind of, I attribute a lot of this win to the West being so weak, but Wisconsin is a good team, so I don't want to take too much away from Michigan and this win. Like I mentioned, this is a statement, or this was a statement game, and they stepped up to the plate and basically hit a home run. There's not much you can take away from the overall team game of this that is negative. I thought Michigan all around, special teams, defense, offense, coaching, everything seemed perfect, finely tuned for this upcoming game against Michigan State. I was very impressed by that. The only negative things that I can take away from this game is, one, when they put in Milton on that first drive. I think that was kind of a drive killer. I was mentioning that. had a watch party here at the M Factor Studios, and I was really disappointed. And there was no need to do that. They were moving the ball at will. Wisconsin really didn't show any signs of being able to stop them. So I don't know why Harbaugh decided to put in Milton and tried to do a little trickery. They tried that later in the game as well, and it was a reverse, and they really didn't need to. They kind of got stuffed right there. But you put in Milton, obviously everyone's looking at him. I was happy to see him get in the game. Doesn't ruin his redshirt status, so no worries there. But I just didn't think that they really needed to do that. It stalled the drive. And then Quinn Norton, who, okay, maybe that's another second negative. I'm just thinking about it now. Quinn Norton did not have the greatest game. Couldn't get, he was kicking knuckleballs all night, it seemed. One of his kicks actually was end over end, which was nice to see. But overall, I don't think Quinn was very happy with himself. But again, we'll get into a little more individual stats later on here. I really want to go over that uh, that Milton play. That kind of stalled the drive. And then the reverse that kind of, obviously, everyone's keying in on when a special guy comes into the, into the game and stuff like that. So if there is a negative takeaway game, maybe two, one field goal kicking and two, two play calls, only two overall. A 95% for Michigan. Great, great game. This was the best game they played since Nebraska. And look at the penalties. The penalties, like I mentioned, the positive M factor of the game, one for 15. Don't forget that. They keep that up. They are going to be very, very tough to beat, not only in the Big Ten, but hopefully in that college playoff if they can finish out the season here undefeated, only with that one loss to Notre Dame early on. And who knows, maybe they get another shot at Notre Dame if they if Notre Dame continues to roll like they have been doing. They actually have a pretty easy schedule coming up. So they have a very good shot at getting to the national championship playoffs or the uh, the college playoffs there in Michigan. They went out, I think, there indefinitely. So that would be awesome to see another matchup because I think we roll Notre Dame this time. So that's the, the overall team stats. Now let's get into some of the individual stats, and we'll start right off with our boy Shea Patterson. 14 of 21, 124 yards, 62.2 QBR rating. Now, not the greatest QBR rating, right? But the passing wasn't the story of the game. It was his legs. He had nine carries, 90 yards, including that long 81-yard break that he had, a nice touchdown run on a nice read handoff, a nice read option right there down at the end zone. So don't be too distracted by those by that QBR because he had a great game overall. You couldn't have asked anything more of him. Zero turnovers. He did have that TD, and I'll get into a something that I saw that I really, really liked between that exchange between him and Karan Higdon after Patterson broke that 81-yard run. So great job, Shea. 14 of 21. Again, a nice, accurate game. He did have a few what I kind of, you know, I kind of consider probably could have gotten rid of the ball a little bit quicker. And he did mention after the game that on some of those sacks, he was just winded, which is understandable when you're when you're rushing the way he was. But I thought the offensive line did a great job of protecting him. So uh, there's only a few sacks, I believe. 
Yeah, Wisconsin only had three sacks on the game, so great job by the offensive line. And it showed in our next stat, Karan Higdon, 19, or pardon me, 19 carries, 105 yards, 5.5 yards a carry, one touchdown, had that nice long run of 25 yards. Nicely done, Karan. Again, almost 20 carries. The last three, four games, he has just been grinding and grinding away. Now, in the first half, it didn't look so good for Higdon. He was kind of getting stuffed a little bit, but like Harbaugh said, they reviewed six, seven plays, I believe it was, and they said, we're going to stick with those six running plays that were actually working for us a little bit in the first half, and they did, and it paid off as Higdon obviously had a breakout second half, which was awesome to see he got that crowd going, and the crowd was just amazing. That's uh, I'll get into that a little bit later as well. So Shea Patterson uh, ended up second on the squad with 90 yards rushing, as we alluded to earlier. Dylan McCaffrey, that awesome one carry, 44 yards, he gets in there. Runs like a gazelle, I'll tell you what, folks. Look at it, deceptively fast. He's got those long legs. Boy, the future looks bright for Michigan at quarterback position. They got all two of their young guys in there, and McCaffrey and Milton. So they got some great big game experience, which is awesome. And McCaffrey, McCaffrey looks like he's just so natural back there. He just, <laughs> I, I think he's just uh, impervious to what's going on around him, which is hilarious to see. But great job. He had that 44-yard touchdown run, as I mentioned. True Wilson did get a couple carries. He had six carries for 26 yards. Like I mentioned, Joe Milton, two carries, 22 yards. Evans actually was back. Good to see him back in the lineup, even though I think the way our running backs are, or pardon me, the way our quarterbacks are running, we might not need a backup running back. But uh, Evans with five carries, 18 yards. Chris Turner, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Emmanuel Samuels all had a couple carries too, but for single-digit yardage. On the receiving end, not a lot to talk about. Nico Collins had another nice game, four receptions for 31 yards. DPJ had another three receptions for 30 yards. And then everyone else with pretty much one reception. Chris Evans did have two receptions out of the backfield. So not a huge game. Like we mentioned, only 14 completions total for the Wolverines, but they didn't need it. Doesn't matter. It's nice when you can rely on that running game and you don't have to force passes and stuff like that. That really helps and obviously limits your turnovers, even though turnovers really haven't been a problem for the Wolverines. But when you can rely on that run game and not have to pass, you know, you don't have to show anything. That's the good thing. So Shea Patterson's a great quarterback. You got some great weapons at wide receiver. When you can run the ball and not have to show the other squad, you know, half your offense, that is really good. That bodes well for the future. That bodes well for facing Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State. If we can, you know, if you have something to fall back on, like your passing game that Michigan has, that's going to be huge in these later games. So great job on the Michigan offense. And like I mentioned earlier, the M factor for the offense goes to one play, and it was a very unselfish play by Shea Patterson. Great job, Shea. I, I feel like I'm giving him the M factor every week, but he really deserves it. Ever since that first game, he has shown nothing but improvement and has helped Michigan pull out, or not really pull out, but he led Michigan back against Northwestern and has been the reason why we, or one of the main reasons why we have destroyed some of these other teams. But after that 81-yard run, that read option where he basically, he could have kept that ball and scored easily. He was almost in the end zone himself. Just pull the ball out from Higdon. Nope. He let the ball go. Higdon gets the touchdown, and it was awesome to see Higdon just run over that defensive end right there in the end zone, kind of stand over him. That was hilarious. But a very unselfish play by Shea Patterson. I give Shea Patterson the individual M factor on offense due to that play. That play was awesome. It just it gave me goosebumps to so just how unselfish that Shea was on that one. So great job, Shea. That's awesome, and hopefully he keeps that up because that's, it just shows the leadership from the quarterback position that we have this year, which we really didn't have last year. Not a lot of faith in the quarterback position. So let's move on to the Michigan defense. Michigan defense all night long. Fantastic. Again, I'll give them a solid A-minus. 
They allowed, you know, a deep, or pardon me, a late in the game touchdown. Not a big deal. And they also gave up that in the second quarter there, that end around and that long run to Taylor. So really didn't care much for that. However, Metellus, Canal, two DBs get their uh, five tackles to lead the team. We had Watson and our boys, Winovich and Bush, both with four tackles. Bush also recorded a nice sack there. Hudson, Gill, Pay, Ross, all with three tackles, followed by Hawkins, McCurry, Shea, and the rest of them rounded out the squad with one tackle. And let's not forget uh, the two sacks go to, or one sack to a Shea and one sack to Bush. Two sacks on the game for the defense. And the big pick six for Hill. That was uh, one of the turning points of the game, I felt, or the turning point of the game on that pick six. Wisconsin basically laid down after that. You could tell that just took the wind out of their sail. So the M factor on the defensive side goes to Chase Winovich. Why? Not the greatest game in terms of the stats, but did you guys see the interview with him before the game on college game day and after? It it was hilarious. Just the energy that he still had, and then Shea comes up to him and says, "Man, it looks. Did you do your hair? It looks. You just been playing a game. Your hair looks perfect. That was hilarious." And then just the whole interview about how it's redemption time. This is the redemption part. Of, you know, revenge part of the schedule is what he was saying, and I couldn't agree more. He remembers a lot of these losses to teams like Wisconsin. Penn State, Michigan State. Obviously, last year they lost to all three of them. And this is the, like we mentioned last week, this is the crucial part of their schedule. They get through this, they are looking good for that Ohio State game. So Chase Winovich gets the M factor, not so much for his play on the field. Obviously, he was great at four tackles, but for his leadership after the game, I can't, I'm, I'm very surprised that he's actually not a captain, but he's quite a personality back there. So that's great. I love the interview with him at that diner or whatever over in Ann Arbor uh, with college game day. And then the interview after the game. Just so the, the energy that he had after playing a full game against a, a 15th ranked team and just absolutely destroying them was awesome. I think all of the players were pretty hyped and the, the fans stuck around after the game. So Chase Winovich gets the M factor on the defensive side. As I mentioned, there were two interceptions. Lavert Hill, Metellus both had one. Hill was the one with the pick six. Punt returns, DPJ only had two of them. Had a nice one, though, of 26 yards. He had 32 total. Quinn Nordine, this was kind of the, one of the negative points of the game. He was three for five, so, you know, not terrible. Still had 12 points on the game. He had a long of 42, but those two misses, and honestly, the one that he made, or one of those that he made, if you didn't notice, I'm, sh- I'm sure you did if you were watching the game at all, just kicking knuckleballs up there, which was really, really weird. Normally, Quinn's been money all year, good rotation on the ball, but this game, I don't know what the deal was. Hopefully, he bounces back with a little more confidence against Michigan State because we're definitely going to need him. Will Hart, only two punts. He did have 95 yards. He had a nice, long 47-yarder. Will Hart's been doing a great job this year. He hasn't gotten the notoriety or the uh, publicity that he deserves. Will Hart's been doing a great job back there. Hasn't made a lot of mistakes. Hasn't shanked one yet. When we need a nice little punt, playing that field position game, he's always right there. So good job, Will Hart. Great job, Michigan. Again, they win 38-13. to That's the individual stats. Sorry to kind of rush through them, but I really want to get to this week's game. But before we do that, I really have to give one more M factor out, and that goes to Michigan Stadium and the crowd there. I guess it was just electric. It was amazing. I guess it was deafening in there. Crowd showed up, and we had a lot of big recruits there this last Saturday, so that really shows them what they could be playing in front of for their college career. It really helps in recruiting. It really helps these youngins see exactly, you know, just the excitement of college football, and no better place than the big house. I had a couple buddies, a couple friends that went to the game, And they said it was amazing. They said it was almost as good as the first Notre Dame night game, which was pretty incredible. The fans showed up. It was kind of a chilly night. It was a night game, though. So that wouldn't have really been an excuse. But 
the pictures, the aerial shots on TV, it looked incredible. It looked incredible. I guess they were playing a couple songs that the whole crowd would listen to, and then people would take out their cell phones, turn on their flashlights, and the crowd just looked amazing. So great job. The last M Factor of the weekend goes to the Michigan crowd. Great job, fans. That is why Michigan fans are the best on the planet. So I just had to get that last M factor in there because now let's talk about this week's game. One of the big ones, Michigan State, Sparty, my most hated rival. I know most people maybe older than me or if not slightly younger than me would say Ohio State, but living in Michigan, you have to deal with these Sparties all year long and especially the last 10 years or the last decade or so. It has been brutal. And I say that simply because living in Michigan Obviously, you live around more Michigan or Michigan State fans. We don't live around a lot of Ohio State fans. I maybe only know a handful of Ohio State fans, and they're not that bad, probably because they've been dominating since the early 2000s. But like I said, I hope that changes here soon and the tables turn. But back to Michigan State. Let's get a little bit of history on this game. For those of you who don't know, this will be the the 111th meeting. I think we've met 110 times. That's insane. All-time series, Michigan leads 69-36. There were five ties in there. Longest win streak still belongs to Michigan, but it was really early in the 1900s, 1916 to 1929 of 14. Current win streak, Michigan State only has one, so let's not give them that much credit yet because that's not a crazy, crazy win streak because we did win that one in East Lansing on Harbaugh's second year. However, I will give credit where credit is due. Michigan State since about 2008 have won eight of the last 10, so that is a lot of credit to D'Antonio, but I still cannot stand this Michigan State team. Of course, they would go into Penn State, ruffle up the Big Ten. When everyone has written them off, they somehow find a way to make it back. Now, let me talk a little bit about D'Antonio and Michigan State. First off, I would like to discuss D'Antonio a little bit because everyone seems to think that he is the savior of Michigan State, or he was when he was hired and stuff like that. But let's take a look. He was hired back in 2017 after coaching at Cincinnati. 2007, pardon me, 2007, I believe, he went 7-6 and six and lost in a bowl game. 3-5 and five in the Big Ten that year. Next year, 9-4. and four. 2009, 6-7. 6-7, folks. Lost in the Alamo Bowl. So four straight bowl losses he had. 2010, he was 11-2. So good season for him. Lost in the Capital One Bowl. 2011, another solid season, 11-3. But then 2012 goes back to 7-6. Then, obviously, 2013 was their glory season, which they went 13-1, followed by 11-2, 12-2, then 3-9. Where in the heck does that 3-9 season come from? So he started off his career 7-6, 9-4, 6-7. I'm sick of hearing the comparison of D'Antonio to Harbaugh. That is absolutely ridiculous. Harbaugh will never have at Michigan a 6-7 and seven season. He will never have a losing season. Last year is the closest he will have to even a 500 season, and it still wasn't that bad. I will take Harbaugh any day of the week. Don't get me wrong. D'Antonio, like I mentioned in earlier episodes, D'Antonio finds a way to take these two three-star athletes and make them play like four or five-star. Maybe Harbaugh does underachieve a little bit, but Harbaugh will never. I guarantee it. If I, you know, Call me out on it. I'll bet you many things, state fans, if Harbaugh ever has a season that is even, I'll, I'll go seven and six. I don't even see that coming nowadays. So let's face it. D'Antonio is not the greatest of coaches. Now he has played Michigan well, and that was one of, uh, remember, you know, everyone remembers John Cooper for Ohio State, right? He would always go, what, 10 and 1, 9 and 2, but guess what? That one loss would always be against Michigan. So props to D'Antonio on actually winning because 08, 09, 2010, 2011, Michigan State wins the game against Michigan. 2013, 14, 15, Michigan State wins the game against Michigan. Now a lot of those were 
kind of flukish games, I, I hate to say. None more flukish than, what was it, 2001, the TJ Duckett pass in the end zone with a second left. That was ridiculous. I'll discuss that a little later. Who can forget, obviously, the drop punt a couple years ago, and then, of course, the weather last year, and they seem to get rather lucky. Again, I'll go over that a little later. But in terms of the series, I was talking to one of my buddies during the watch party this last weekend, and he basically was guaranteeing that Michigan was going to just destroy Michigan State, just destroy him. And I'm a little hesitant to say that. This is a rivalry game. We discussed it online. We've discussed it on Facebook. The news discusses it, and the media discusses it. We discuss it in person. These rivalry games, take the rankings, take the records, throw them out the window. How often have they been correct? Especially in the years past, because Michigan has been favored in most of these games. Michigan actually comes out as, what, a seven-point favorite this Saturday? So I'm very hesitant to agree. Don't get me wrong, I love the optimism, but I'm very hesitant to agree with my buddy uh, my buddy Veach and, and stating that they are going to just roll this weekend. I don't I would never, never guarantee that. And I'm not scared. Like I said, I love the optimism. I hope it's like that. I 100% hope it's like that. I think all of you Michigan fans hope it's like that. But let's face it, we, most of us are come back to reality. Most of us are realists and can say seven points is probably legit. I might take the a closer game than that, especially after Michigan State comes out and somehow, just somehow, they, they always do this. God, they, I mentioned it before, this, this university is so annoying. It's a wonder I've picked them every week as my rival annoyance of the week. And I guarantee I'm going to pick them again. Just wait later in this episode. I guarantee I just don't understand the, ugh, how they come out and just look terrible all year, all year long, all year. There's there's no one that's going to disagree with me on that one. They look terrible. Lewerke is the worst quarterback in the league, or he's definitely in the bottom of the league in terms of quarterbacks, especially his play this year. I mean, I don't think he was even that great last year. Yeah, he had a couple key wins, but I don't think he was the reason for that. Let's not forget Michigan State's defense is always pretty solid. They come into this game, number one ranked rush defense, so that'll be good for Higdon and Shea to try to get out there and and do their work, but they come out and beat Penn State, who, yeah, Penn State had that disappointing loss against Ohio State, but Penn State at home, crowd was rocking. They had that little stripe thing going on in the crowd, which looks really, really cool, and they come out. Penn State, I think, kind of threw up a goose egg on that one, but Michigan State comes out, gets lucky on that, dropped probably a pick six for Penn State on that last drive there. I've hit Lewerke threw it right to him, and it hits the dude right in the chest, and they come back and win the game. Just disgusting. Now, we can look at this one or two ways. One, which is kind of the, uh, you know, not the, the best way for, for a Michigan fan anyway, is, oh boy, that gave them a bunch of confidence. Guess what? Now they think they can play with anyone in the conference, and they very well could, but we didn't need them to have that confidence going into this game. Again, nice, nice luck for Michigan State as usual. I do believe in luck, and I do believe that this is this is very weird how this happens. Just like last year, how the the weather, the weather was a huge factor in a couple of their wins last year, including against Michigan. Remember, Michigan was that awful halftime. They delayed the game for a little bit. Actually, couldn't even watch like the third quarter because the weather on the news was on. So they were, you know, blacking out the game, basically. Came back in the fourth quarter and Michigan hadn't scored. I don't think either team really scored in the second half. And then Michigan State against Penn State, same exact thing. Long delay, come out and win that one in East Lansing. So these lucky, lucky, ugh, I just can't take it. So that's one way. One way they think that they can play with anyone. They get the confidence. Their confidence is up. I don't think Lewerke should be up because, again, he played a crappy game. I don't care what anyone says. I don't care that he let him down the field because it shouldn't have happened. Got lucky on that dropped interception and then gets lucky. You know, he threw, I'm not even going to say they were great passes. His wide receivers made plays for him. So good for them. But let's look at it from the second standpoint is maybe they kind of overplayed. They played out of their minds against Penn State. 
maybe that's the best they can play. And now this week's going to be a little bit of a letdown. We can't assume that's going to happen. Obviously, Michigan and Harbaugh will not let that happen because I personally think that Michigan's going to come out gunning, punch them right in the face right off the bat, and then we hopefully roll to a nice, you know, kind of gain the momentum throughout the whole game. Like I mentioned earlier, it's not going to be a blowout. I don't feel it's going to be a blowout. I hope it is. That would be awesome, but I don't feel that it's going to be. So that's the the second way we can look at this is they overplayed against Penn State and now they're going to come back down to reality against Michigan. You know, either one, I think we still win the game, but I'd really like to just punch them right in the face right off the bat and take it to the house right in East Lansing, kind of like we did two years ago, and then put an exclamation point on it when Jabril Peppers picked up that two-point conversion fumble, ran it back for a touchdown. I think he, geez, I think he set some sort of land speed record on running that back. What do you, what do you run there? Five-second? 100-yard dash, you know, Usain Bolt was proud. So awesome job, Jabril. That was that was sweet. I still remember that. So it gives me goosebumps just how happy everyone was. So let's move on to kind of the prediction of the game, and then we'll move on to, you know, kind of a question for you guys. Now, my prediction of the game is I do think Michigan does cover the spread, but barely. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. And why do you ask that? Because I looked at the weather. How shocking. The weather is supposed to be a little chilly. It's supposed to be in the 40s. And oh, already calling for rain. So guess what? That bodes very well in Michigan State's favor. As usual, they get the luck of the gods and the weather could be a factor in the game. Now, we've never seen Shea Patterson actually throw in the rain yet, so that'll be interesting. But shocker, they're calling for rain and it's going to be rather chilly. And it is a noon game. So yeah, noon game. It's on Fox this Saturday at Michigan State, at East Lansing, at Spartan Stadium. I'm sure the dozens and dozens of Michigan State fans will show up, and they'll probably be pretty loud. I'll give them that. They are a little loud, but I'm sure there'll still be empty seats up there in the corner of the upper decks, as usual. But I say Michigan, based on the weather, I think Michigan pulls out like a 23-13 to 13 win by 10, simply because I just think we are that much better of a team. Now, I've had this feeling many times in the last 10 years, and it's it's kind of blown up in my face, but I really do think we found that missing piece at quarterback. Our offensive line is playing hands down almost as good as anyone in the nation right now. You can't really argue that fact, especially with the rushing stats that our guys have had and the lack of sacks. Now, that could be, of course, because of Shea Patterson's elusiveness back there, but I really think our offensive line has improved. I think Karan Higdon actually stated earlier, quoted earlier, that he's got the best, he's following the best guys in the country. Hard to really argue with him at this point. Now, you could definitely argue with him after Notre Dame, but I think the last six games have proven otherwise that they have been improving every game. So let's figure a 23 to 13 victory for the Wolverines, propelling them into the bye week and then Penn State. And that, I think that's a legit prediction for this Saturday. I haven't been far off on a lot of these games. I did not expect Michigan to come out and thump Wisconsin the way they did last Saturday, but not disappointed in it, I'll tell you that much. So Michigan by 10, go blue. Let's shut these guys up because I really don't want to listen to them the day after. And speaking of which, I hear kind of crickets when it comes to Michigan State fans this week. Now, is this because they're cocky and they're like, oh, we don't need to talk smack and we're good? No, that's the whole fun of having a rival. This is your Super Bowl, guys. Don't act like it's not. You guys look up to this game every single year for as long as this has been a game. It's your in-state rival. Michigan does not consider this their Super Bowl. I kind of wish they did because then maybe we would have won a few more games the last decade. But I cannot stand that I just hear crickets. And then guess what? Michigan State somehow, like I mentioned, the weather plays a factor. They get some sort of fluky fumbled punt, blah, blah, blah. And they come out with a win. And guess what? Saturday night after that, or Saturday evening, because it's a noon game, Saturday evening after the game, 
all the little crickets start coming out and oh now the sun they're up in your face just rubbing it in and it lasts all year folks as everyone knows actually it lasts 50 what actually it lasts 51 weeks because the week actually during the game they're always worried they think that they're not that good and they're not that good especially this year they are severely underachieving yeah i know they got that good win against penn state last week but they're severely underachieving so i cannot stand it this was one of my rival annoyances in past weeks was the fact that you don't hear a word from any sparty fan i haven't heard it there's nothing even on my uh anything in social media Nothing on my tweets, nothing in my email, nothing on Facebook saying, "Uh uh-oh, we're coming for you. We're coming for you. Why is Michigan State never coming for us? They always love to play that underdog, don't they? They love to be the underdog, and normally they are. So it's just disgusting. I can't can't talk about that anymore. I got another rival annoyance for them this week. So that's just something to to think about. And I want to know if you guys actually have that same experience, because I certainly, every year it seems to be the same of just crickets, crickets, crickets. Oh, they pull out some magical win. And you hear nothing about it for the next 51 weeks up until the game the following year. So let's talk a little bit about why I'm confident in a 10-point win and not either a blowout or a loss. One, like I mentioned earlier, our quarterback play, he can run. Shea Patterson is a good runner. We have not had a good runner in years past, except if you want to count John Navarre. (laughs) Oh, just kidding. Uh, I could almost say that with a straight face. Um, I don't know what Navarre's record was. I'm sure it was terrible because he was terrible at everything, but Shea Patterson can absolutely run. That is awesome. That is very helpful, very, very helpful, especially like I mentioned, if this weather turns out the way it's supposed to, we're going to need a little bit of, of he's going to need to use his legs a little bit more, I'm sure. And then Crown Higdon, just a beast in there. The run game has been has severely picked up over the last couple of weeks. We mentioned the improvement of the offensive line. The offensive line is playing as a solid unit. They, uh, you know, I guess they did kind of start off a little slow, but that was because that's what good teams do. They make the adjustments at halftime, right? And that's exactly what they did last weekend against Wisconsin. I think they've pretty much played well every other game except for the Notre Dame game. So I think they're relatively even in terms of the defensive side of the ball. I think we have more playmakers, but they are very, very tough at stopping the run. And we are very, very good at stopping the pass. And we're not bad against the run either, folks. Look at what we held Taylor to. I think just over... He was just over 100 yards. He was averaging almost, what, 180 for the season, leading the nation. So that's a solid job by our run defense. Can't complain about that. And it will come down to our special teams. Quinn Norton will bounce back. He still has the confidence. I mean, he only he missed two last week. Maybe it was because it was a night game. Who knows? He'll be back this Saturday, I guarantee it. Can those balls end over end again? And uh, hopefully no knuckleballs this weekend. Now let's talk about the other side of the ball. I was asked this weekend. It was actually my nephew's first birthday, little baby Charles. Happy birthday, Charles. It was a great party up there in Midland at my little sister and brother-in-law's house. And the whole family, like I mentioned, is Michigan fans. So it's a great, great conversation whenever you go up there. And I'd really like to shout out to my family for supporting me, my family and friends. As always, you know, they want to talk about the M Factor and stuff like that. And my cousin Steve, who is a diehard Michigan fan and pretty much a genius when it comes to sports, just asked me, now, do you do you hate Lewerke or do you think he's just bad? Well, I think kind of both. I think he throws a terrible ball. He is not accurate. The one thing that Lewerke has for him, or let me digress a little bit, I think his arm strength is not the greatest. He's kind of a whiner too. I don't know, it just strikes me as kind of a, you know, blame the other guy. He doesn't strike me as a solid leader, but the one thing that he does have is that, I don't want to call it the M factor, but this this is more of an X factor. Can't call it the M factor when it's for somebody else. So I apologize for kind of going off my normal saying there, but the X factor for him is he somehow finds a way on third downs to always get that first down. You got to give it to him on that one. I would be curious to see what his actual third down completion percentage is. 
Look what happens when he completes those third downs. They end up beating a top 10 team. Unbelievable. So that is one thing I will give Lewerke is his ability to convert on third down. I don't know how he pulls it out of his butt. Other than that, just terrible. And I do not like his attitude. And who knows, maybe he's a nice guy. I don't mean to judge him personally, but who knows. From the run side of Michigan State, I think they're garbage. Like I already mentioned, their rush defense, their pass defense, I don't think is that great. Who knows with the weather. We might not get to pass a lot, and maybe Shea Patterson's not the greatest with uh, cold weather. Let's face it, he is from down south, so this might be a little chilly game for him. He played well Saturday night, and it was a little chilly over there in Ann Arbor, but it was a beautiful night. Let's see what happens if there's a little moisture out there and it's a little chilly. I hope he plays fine. Hopefully he can throw the ball just fine. I don't see that being a problem. He is a football player, so can't use that as an excuse. So I think those are kind of the keys to the game for this Saturday. Now I'd like to get into the dual question of the week, we'll say, and these are going to be fun. Hopefully you guys participate again, post them on Facebook, send them in an email, send them via text. Actually, most people have been just talking to me about them because I got a lot of listeners down here in the Jackson area, a lot of my friends, so I appreciate that. But here's the question or questions of the week. First question. Name your most dismal moment in this series. The play, the game, I don't care, the player that just rip your heart out in this Michigan-Michigan State rivalry. And I'll, I'll give you mine here right after I state the second question. Second question is obviously the opposite. What is your favorite moment against Michigan State? And to be honest, I, I'd like to keep this to football because we have so many in basketball, right? <laughs> Suckers. So let's keep it to football. For football, my most hated moment and maybe my disappointing moment was, in fact, that pass to TJ Duckett in the end zone with the second left. Why? A lot of people are probably going to go with that dropped punt, which was also lucky. And, you know, we were just riding so high with Harbaugh's first year. You know, we were going to beat our, our first rival. And I don't know. That was that was disheartening. That was heartbreaking. I think that's a little too easy because that play, <laughs> that play will be, you know, played on social media for... Who knows until the day we're gone from this earth. But that TJ Duckett one kind of started when I really, really noticed the, I go back to the luck. You know, a lot of you probably don't believe in the luck or, or, or karma or stuff like that. But for whatever reason, that was seemed when I really started to notice when that second didn't roll off that clock and it was extended and they proved it, right? This isn't an argument. This is, this is science. They proved that it was easily, you can see the clock obviously stopped. They did the timer. They stopped it too early, and that one second just uh, just kind of eh, just kind of lingered there for about two seconds. So take your stopwatches out, state fans, and check it again. But this isn't an argument, you know. This has been proven. I remember actually watching it in my folks' living room, and I had the remote in my hand. And when who was the quarterback then? Smoker was it Smoker or Stanton? I think it might have been Smoker. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely Smoker. Threw that touchdown pass at TJ Duckett. When he threw it, I thought it was intercepted. I thought it was. I thought it was intercepted because the Michigan players were kind of like hiding based on the camera angle. They're kind of hiding right in front of Duckett. So it looked like it was right to a Michigan guy. And I jumped up and then I saw and then I heard the crowd just erupt and the announcer of the game just just state that Duckett caught it. And I dropped. I remember I had the remote in my hand and I just threw it against the couch and I was so angry back in the day where you just get angry, let alone against Michigan State or Ohio State, but just angry at every single loss that Michigan had, which wasn't a lot back then, but still. And from then on, it really, really just, you know, from then on, the weather last year, of course, the drop punt. There's some other major plays that I can't, I don't want to go into right now just to save time, but some other plays that I'm just, what are you, how does this happen? 
How does this happen? So unbelievable. So that's one of my, that's probably my most hated play. And again, guys, you can state your most hated player for a reason, your most hated game uh, and, or your most, your most hated play, any of those three or, or something you just hate about the series or have, just let me know something you, you dislike about Michigan state. I'll even, uh, I'll, I'll discuss that as well. Cause most likely I'll agree with you. So the question two, name your favorite moment in the series. And this one, this one's pretty easy. Actually, this was up at Ferris with all my friends who all happen to be major, major Michigan fans. And this was the game for Braylon Edwards. Now we got down really early and then Edwards single-handedly, you know, Chad Henney, uh, Chad Henney was a, a freshman actually at the time. So this was great because I just remember it was, yeah, it was Halloween. So everyone's kind of dressed up as so we had a, we had a nice little party. Uh, some adult beverages were being drank all day long, pretty much. So we were in a nice rare form for the game. And I remember when uh, Michigan won it in overtime on that pass to Braylon Edwards, just the silly string. That whole apartment, we all lived in the same corner of, it was called E-Crest, but the, the apartment complex was Hillcrest. And what do you think, guys? There was probably, there was probably 20, 20, 22 of us that all lived in the same corner. All of us good buddies. We're all still friends to this day. Miss these guys, still see them a lot. Actually, a lot of them still write into the show, which I really appreciate. And, you know, we have some great discussions, but just the silly string all over the place. You couldn't see a person. Everyone was just covered in silly string after that and just going crazy. That set the tone for the rest of the night and just for the rest of the season because we ended up going to the Rose Bowl that year too. So that was my favorite moment in the series. And there's been, of course, many others, many, many others. Of course, the year I want to say a couple years later was obviously that great pass from Henny to uh, Manningham when they were down by 10. That was another awesome, awesome moment in the series, but just so many great moments and not a lot of terrible ones, even though we haven't been playing as well as we'd like to the last decade. So let me know your guys is. I'm really curious about this. Uh, there's obviously some of the, uh, you know, if, if you can think of something that, that isn't very obvious, the two that I've named were probably pretty obvious. Uh, none as obvious as probably the drop pun. I know that definitely destroyed a lot of people's night. I was actually at that game. And there again was my one of my annoyances of you didn't hear anything before the game. And then as soon as I was, like I mentioned, I was leaving the stadium and every single Spartan fan was just the, just being obnoxious and just rubbing it in people's faces. I was like, you, we lost that game. You did not win that game, Sparty. We lost that game. That If that makes sense, probably a little too over your head, Sparty fans. but. But let me know, guys. Uh, like I said, write it on Facebook. I'll be happy to mention it on the show, and I'd really like to discuss it. Hopefully next week when we're discussing it, we are happy because we hopefully are coming off a nice big win over Sparty. So let me know again. Like I said, write it on Facebook, text me, see me on the street, stop me, let me know. I'll mention it. I think it'll be a really fun question or questions for everyone to really think about and bring back some not so good memories, but also bring back some amazing memories of this game. So, without further ado, let's move on to this week's Rival Annoyance. This week's is courtesy, yet again, of our boys up there in East Lansing. And why shouldn't it be this week out of all weeks, right? This is something that has really bugged me about Michigan State since probably about 2010. You know, 2008 is really when they started to pick up the pace a little bit, right? When they got D'Antonio, and they really started to, I guess, kind of win some football games finally. Because before D'Antonio, who was it? George Perlis probably was their best coach. Once D'Antonio kind of took over, what, in 2007, 2006, around there, I don't know what it is, but every single Michigan State fan seems to have this arrogant sense of relevance in college football. 
And they've actually argued with me about it. They argue with me all the time. It was me and my buddy uh, Mully, who's actually a huge Ohio State fan. We were sitting at a party one time, and a Michigan State fan actually came up and said, well, we're just as big a rival to Michigan as Ohio State is. And for the first time ever, folks, you actually got to see two, uh, a Michigan fan and an Ohio State fan get along and argue against a Michigan State fan. It was awesome. It was hilarious. You don't see that every often. Two, two uh, people on the total opposite ends of the spectrum agreeing with each other and fighting against a common enemy, if you want to say it like that. But for whatever reason, they continue to say, well, we're just as big as rival as so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. Why? Why? I have to ask, Sparty, why? I would like to hear one good reason why you think you are relevant in college football. It takes a lot longer than a decade to establish yourself as relevant in college football. And of course, I know the response I'm going to get from this, and that is, oh, you Michigan fans, you're always living in the past. Well, when it comes to relevance, when it comes to tradition, when it comes to establishing your college as a as a trademark brand of the sport that is Michigan of college football, it takes a little longer than 10 years, folks. It takes a little longer, and I don't know how many times I can say it. Let's put it in perspective for some of you that might not know some of the stats and stuff like that. Now, Michigan State does have some national championships. They have six, actually. Last one was all the way back to 1966. So from 1951 to 1966 was the years that they actually won those national championships. Of course, what's going to be the response? Well, technically, Michigan hasn't won an outright one since 1948, right? Doesn't matter. Michigan has 11 national championships, and yes, it does go back to 1901 with Fielding Yost, one of our greatest coaches of all time. But still, we're talking about history now. We are talking about history. So when it comes to relevance, you have to talk about the past. The past didn't start 10 years ago, Sparty. But let's move on to some other big things. Michigan State has 11 conference championships. 11. Guess how many Michigan has? 42. 42, folks. 1898 all the way up to 2004 with Lloyd Carr. Let's move on to bowl games. Michigan State, 27 bowl games. They're 12 and 15. This all this data according to Wikipedia. Michigan, take a guess. 46 bowl games for Michigan. 46 bowl games. Now, they do have a losing record, 21 and 25, but they are very close to 500 with playing 46. And Michigan State has a losing record as well, only playing 27. So basically, you know, just over half as many bowl games played for Michigan State as Michigan. How about big players? Can you think of any for Michigan State? It is pretty sad when you're probably your most famous player to make it in the pros was Morton Anderson, a kicker. Now, don't get me wrong. Morton Anderson was great in the pros, but a kicker? Really? The biggest reason that I get annoyed with that is because of Michigan State's lack of tradition. They just seem to lack tradition in football. And don't get me wrong. We're, we're talking about football only. Basketball, we can discuss that another time, but football? You started football basically back when Michigan did. I think their their first year they went what, one two and one. It looks like in 1896. So I don't want to hear this. Uh, you know, it's just because Michigan's been playing longer and stuff like that. My thing is the tradition. Michigan all time winningest program in college football history. That right there is relevance. That is relevance. Maybe not in the last ten years, but they've still been winning. Not so much with the Rich Rod era. But in the grand scheme of things, over a century of great football for the University of Michigan and Michigan State has always been kind of a middle tier team. Always, always. I'll say even in the last decade, they've had, you know, with D'Antonio, they've had a couple losing seasons and you won't see that with Harbaugh, as I mentioned earlier. 
So I cannot stand this. And it's it's almost every state fan. Oh, now look, we're the big boys on the block. We're not your little brother anymore. Which, you know, a quote from Mike Hart, which was amazing. Another another great moment in this rivalry. And don't get me wrong, Michigan State is absolutely a rival, but they're not our biggest rival. For a Michigan State fan to come up to me and state that Michigan State is as big a rival as Ohio State is is absolutely ridiculous. That is very annoying. Them claiming to be as relevant in college football as Ohio State and Michigan and Texas and Alabama. Not even close, guys. It's not even an argument. And don't give me the argument or the excuse about the last 10 years being the most relevant because you know who else has dominated us the last 10 years besides Ohio State, which is hard to say. Do you consider Iowa being relevant, being one of our biggest rivals? Because guess what? Iowa is what? They are 5-1 and one against us in the last six games. We've won one time one time against Iowa since 2009. So if history started 10 years ago, do you consider Iowa our biggest rival? Because we have one win against them. One win. So enough about trying to proclaim your relevance in college football, Sparty, just because you've been decent. I'm not even going to say great. I'm going to say decent in the last 10 years. So again, after I cool down here a little bit, we will get into the closing statements of episode eight. Again, I'd like to mention that we are on iTunes. We are on Google Play and continue to listen to us on SoundCloud. If you do listen to us on iTunes, make sure you subscribe just so we can get some publicity out there. Same thing with Google Play. If you do subscribe on iTunes, make sure to give us that five-star rating. It's very important. We really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate everyone listening. And if you do listen on SoundCloud, make sure you give me the likes. And I also really appreciate all of my friends and family and even you strangers and stuff. I appreciate you tuning in and appreciate the shares on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, all of that stuff. I really appreciate it. I cannot, it means the world to me. It's been a little bit of work, but we're halfway through the season and I think people are really enjoying it. So I'm going to continue to do it. And with that, hope everyone has a good weekend. Go blue. Hopefully we are victorious this weekend. I think we're going to be. If you're heading up to East Lansing to watch it with the dozens of Michigan State fans, be safe. It's pretty brutal up there. They are not the most accepting fans up there. I know that's probably the worst place I've ever been heckled as a Michigan fan. It was kind of my fault. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not like I wasn't running my mouth too. But if you are heading up there, drive safe, be safe, party hard up there. We want to hear you in Spartan Stadium. It won't be too hard considering you will probably outnumber Spartan fans. Probably a little bit of an exaggeration, but I believe it. So if you are not heading to the game, don't forget Fox at noon on Saturday having another watch party at my place at the new m factor studios really enjoying it really enjoying the view thanks a lot to a lot of my friends and stuff that have been uh joining me in a lot of these watch parties you know discuss the game and give me some material to discuss on the show it's always fun watching it with friends and family that creates a lot of great memories so go blue let's knock sparty back to where they belong i'm adam amble and this is the m factor <laughs> <laughs>